you're listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo-development, and everything in between. Okay, okay. <laughs> now I can start. All right, so thanks. Welcome to the, the Bounding Box podcast. I'm joined today with Kate Berg, correct? I'm pronouncing that right? Mm-hmm. No worries. Okay. No weird pronunciation there. So, Kate, <laughs> thanks for joining me today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I mean, you could pronounce it uh, Pocato, <laughs> as that's what uh, most people know me as on Twitter. Um, I am GIS lead for the Michigan State uh, Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy, um, but I like to think of myself as much more than that. I, I enjoy spending time on Twitter and, and sharing mappy memes and um, trying to get the community together with GIS chat. I host a weekly GIS chat that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. And I also am um, outreach chair for the Eurissa Vanguard Cabinet of Young Professionals. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, uh, there was a Young Professionals Network at Esri or so and a few years ago. Someone asked me to go to something and I was like, I don't think I quite qualify for Young <laughs> Professionals uh, stuff anymore. So, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we make it very clear it's under 35 and there's an asterisk and everything. And... <laughs> an asterisk. That's probably where I qualify you know, professionals <laughs> with an asterisk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so can you, can you tell me a little bit about how uh, you got into, I guess not just GIS, but I mean, geography in general, because honestly, this, every time I talk to someone, it's not exactly the, um, the career you probably think of when you're a kid. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know about it. That's the issue. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> it's not like they're making books about being firefighters and doctors and, oh, yeah, GIS techs. <laughs> um, I wouldn't call myself a geographer, actually. Um, and I got into GIS by happenstance. I originally thought I would be a scientist. I went to school for ecology at UCLA. Um, and along the way, I saw that there was this, a couple classes in GIS. My dad, who's a scientist, had said, oh, this is this, is this new cool technology that you might want to try out and uh, see how it is. So I took a class, um, loved it, took another class, and eventually signed on to do a um, minor in GIS. And Still, still wasn't convinced though. So I, I came to Michigan from UCLA to do my master's in natural resources, uh, which was always kind of my interest, the environment, natural resources, things like that. And the thing that I love about GIS is that you can apply it to any field. Um, so that's how I've been so successful is I've been able to combine my passion with environment and then also my skill and interest in GIS. And, and that's kind of where I am today at the state of Michigan. Oh, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. So how, how long have you been there in Michigan now? I've been in Michigan since 2015. Okay. Um, started learning to love snow <laughs> from the very beginning. <laughs> no, cool. I, I love it. Yeah, I've never actually been out there, but I know that uh, people talk about it, they love it. But yeah, the weather is something you just get used to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've learned the mantra, there's no such thing as bad weather, just uh, bad clothes, bad prep. 
for it. <laughs> oh, I mean, my parents want me to come back to California and I'm like, you guys are on fire and there's earthquakes. We, <laughs> I can deal with some snow. <laughs> yeah, I guess when it comes to natural disasters or any disasters at all, you can't, a little weather isn't going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one of the uh, talks I've seen you do, and I believe it was your talk on building your portfolio. Uh, which I thought was really cool, really great for uh, newcomers and actually people just in the field in general that might be, you know, looking around to maybe switch jobs or something at some point, or even just keep things up to date. I thought it was very cool. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. This um, this has a little bit of a history. So I I can't even remember when I first made this, but I used an Esri story map back in the the classic template. Um, to create a portfolio. And um, a lot of people saw it as innovative and really cool. I thought it was just kind of fun to, <laughs> to play with the technology. Uh, that's why I created it in the first place. Um, but it kept getting pointed out by a lot of like GIS articles from Esri had a couple blogs on it. And um, so I was like, I, I, I can share some of some of my knowledge with people. And that's kind of my goal here is to help the community as much as I can. Um, so I actually gave this presentation first for the University of Michigan um, Natural Resources GIS program, my alum, uh, as kind of like a first, <laughs> <laughs> first draft. And um, they found it really helpful. I he just heard back from their career services saying that they're giving it to all their, their um, emerging students. Uh, and then I gave it for you, so you're absolutely right. Uh, so the presentation uh, goes into what a GIS portfolio is and why it's important. Um, it's not just to kind of show off your work. It's really good to help, you know, get jobs um, network with others and it's good for yourself. I've definitely referred back to my portfolio to like, when did I make that? Or when was that? Um, so it, it's kind of like a nice personal use, uh, to have. It's really, um, I think I remember when you made that story map, because at the time, I don't think a lot of people were using them for, we were looking at like national geographic and, uh, there were some like newspapers stuff using them in terms of like, you know, putting maps into a story and stuff. But up until that point, I don't think uh, myself and I know a few others hadn't seen anyone use it as kind of a, almost like a blog or a personal like uh, place where you can put your own content kind of thing, right? It wasn't mm -hmm. so much a, here's a story on the subject, but here's, here's a story map on me kind of thing. So I thought that was really cool the way you kind of put that together and stuff. That was really neat. And yeah, and I guess Esri's now doing something like that with the new story maps. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's so still called story maybe maps. that was on me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's neat because I mean, if I, I am more involved with like devs and developers. That's kind of where my niche is. I don't really make maps much unless mm -hmm. I, you know, making an app for it or something. But like for developers, they have GitHub. And, you know, we can put our code up on GitHub, you go for interviews, or whatever, and give someone your GitHub repo, and you're good to go. But if you're on the mapping side, and you're making maps, I mean, it's kind of difficult to say, oh, uh, I guess you could use GitHub, you could try, 
or you, know, you have a PDF or maybe your own website, which could be, and people that don't know how to make websites, maybe using WordPress or something else. And the, the story map idea is just kind of cool. You get all your stuff on there, you get all your content up there and it's easy to share and put in your LinkedIn or something like that. It's just a really great idea to do. And I think it helps, especially people coming out of school, uh, mm-hmm. sharing projects they've done, because I always see people that are coming out of school that don't quite have years of experience or something. And they're always curious, well, how do I show people what I do kind of thing, right? Right. And I, I think that's the beauty of doing it in the story map is uh, you're proving that you know this tool just by using it, yeah. right? You're putting your portfolio in the story map. And then so anyone that looks at it is like, oh, this person knows what story maps are, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> when I first got started, I started drafting and I had literally like a leather like portfolio that you just open up and all of my drafting drawings hand-drawn or uh, CAD drawings were in there and that's what I would take to interviews and stuff or have a tube with the like the larger drawings you roll out and that's like what they wanted to see and stuff at the time and now you know people see people walking into interviews with something like that so right you don't see people walking into interviews anymore it's all virtual (laughs) (laughs) right that's true I mean I've been I do interviews at work stuff sometimes I don't think I've done an in-person interview in four years maybe three to four right. years and that. that's why having like a virtual portfolio <laughs> like in a story map can be really helpful is you can just can I share my screen really quick and show this <laughs> that's awesome so one other thing I saw recently too that you said you're doing is the uh you're doing a map a month for 2022 which you've also done I think the 30-day map challenge as well yes I don't I've know. Done so that tell twice. me how that okay you did the 30-day map challenge twice Yes. So you got 60 maps out of doing that one challenge. I did not (laughs) succeed in the 30-day map challenge. I got like 20 out of 30, I think. I mean, everyone wins, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not about completing. (laughs) And in those cases, I I, actually, I'm not too involved with that, but I do know I see them and there's some really cool stuff and a lot of really just um, neat maps. You know, people make maps so like, you know, uh, where are bananas popular in the U.S. kind of things. It's difficult to come up with, I guess, um, really, you know, hard for maps, 30 maps in a month kind of a thing. But, you know, yeah. you can find some data here and there for some fun stuff. So it's kind of really cool to see. And people make really cool cartographic kind of maps, you know, using different styles and stuff like that. I think it's kind of neat, too. So I enjoy that. Yeah, um, the 30-day the map challenge is, is a really cool thing that it happens every November and there's a list of prompts, one for every day. So for example, the color red could be a prompt. Um, and then everyone posts their, they, you make your map in one day and then you post it. Um, some people kind of build up over a weekend, maybe make five and then post it later. But uh, yeah, the goal is to make a map a day in the month of November. And it, it definitely teaches you things that you don't really learn um in school or on your day job is is making a fast map a good map quickly right you learn you use different skills yeah right because you're a lot of times if you're in the workplace you'll always come to situations someone's like i just need a map for this and i need it by end of the day or the morning or something (laughs) right so that's really cool is there anywhere that collects all those maps or is it just kind of like you can look look for the hashtags on twitter you can use the hashtags on Twitter and I believe we have a website now. I'm going to check really quick. Um, yeah. 30daymapchallenge.com. 30 is using 
numbers. So three zero day map challenge.com. You can check it all out. I'll get those in the show notes as well. (laughs) That's very cool. I dig, I dig that kind of fun stuff that uh, the community just does like people do making cool maps or coming up with some nice ideas and stuff like that. Cause that kind of like fast paced kind of work really um, brings out creative juices here and there. Right. You're not uh, stewing on something and trying to plan something out very uh, yeah, you trust your gut. You just go. <laughs> you don't have time to think about it. Uh, my main tip, if anyone's interested, is don't try and label anything because labeling is what takes up most of your time, <laughs> especially especially if you have like roads or something. That's going to be your Oh, that would be nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so that brings us, like, we talk about communities like that. It brings us into the GIS chat, right? And I'm not, how long have you been basically moderating the GIS chat because I know it was a lot around for a long time uh, for years and it kind of uh, I don't want to say died but just kind of stopped happening for a while and then it just like a resurgence I think um, three years ago or so I can't quite remember now but I know it just kind of popped right back up I saw my feed blowing up with it again I was like oh wow look it's back (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it, it was originally GIS tribe uh, when I first started joining in in the in the talks, which was in 2017 or so, um, I was in my first job, and I was the only GIS person there, and and I was kind of bored and also looking to connect with the community. So I found GIS Tribe on Twitter, which was a I guess it was a general hashtag to just kind of reach the over geospatial group. Um, and, and then like a weekly chat on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern um, with a more focused prompt. And um, as far as I remember it, it was always Michelle uh, Tobias who was hosting it and posting a weekly question um, to get the group to chat and um, check in where you're, where you're from and where you're talking from. And then Michelle reached out, uh, I think it was end of last year or maybe a little bit earlier than that, um, asking if I would be interested since I've been participating in it for a while and, and engaging in it. Um, and I was, I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. So I started, I think early this year, it's all kind of melded together, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what happened over like the lockdown stuff like that. Everyone's kind of working from home and yeah. What is time anymore? Yeah. Right. Your online activity just kind of skyrockets at some point and yeah, it just kind of all fades in. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about the 90s. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really cool. I mean, the GIS chat's a really great place um, to just uh, see what other people are up to, what people are working on. And it's not necessarily like one section of GIS. You have like uh, people that are making maps in there, people doing an analysis that may be more like data scientists and you have devs on there just kind of chiming in and stuff. You get really you nice some remote sensing guys. lurkers too. Yeah. The remote <laughs> sensing guys, which I, I, I guess, you know, if you're in the satellites and stuff, that's your thing. Right. I don't know anything about remote sensing at all. I had one class on it and it was, it was cool, but I never touched it again, mm-hmm. but that's all fun stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I made the the grave error of making a meme about remote sensing like a month ago, and I also don't know that much about it. And so people were very quick to point out that I was wrong. <laughs> like you, you, you and your satellites, people. I swear, I don't, I don't know yeah. what you guys are doing. <laughs> All good fun though. So as far as like uh, community goes, and I guess uh, industry stuff, I mean, you're working in um, 
it's public sector, right? Mm -hmm. So you work in public sector, you kind of see where, what public use of GIS and uh, geography in general is going. Really kind of think the whole industry as a whole is kind of headed um, maybe in a few years or so. Uh, well, it, it's kind of difficult to say by industry. If you're talking public, I think um, web apps and interactive um, applications like that is is definitely what I do most of my day at mm -hmm. the state. Uh, my previous job was in private consulting, and they're very much into hard copy maps all day, <laughs> every day, and I don't see that changing at all. Um, their favorite thing to do is post a map with 60 call-out boxes with the results <laughs> of like five different analytes. Um, yeah. It's, it, there's kind of no way around it. You need those PDF maps in that industry. So it, it really depends. So working, I guess, obviously, working in public sector, I worked in public for about 13 years or so. Do you find that you work pretty closely with a lot of consultants as well in public sector? Uh, either they are starting projects that you finish or you start projects that they finish. Kind of <laughs> Yeah, my, my role is kind of special at the state. Um, they created a, they created kind of my, my position fairly recently as a, as a GIS support and lead for the Michigan department. So I don't work directly with any, any um, consultants or anything like that. My job is to help support all the GIS analysts that are in the department. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, yeah, and act as kind of admin of ArcGIS Online and, and the, our public content. So I don't get to uh, directly work with that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, if, uh, if someone needs access to the online, they use an account, they have to go through you to get everything set up and stuff. Yeah, my favorite thing <laughs> to do is uh, you create a temp password for them, and my temp password is... That's great. I love that. I guess I need to change that now. I just <laughs> shared the password with everyone. I can always bleep that out. It's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll change it. It's been time. To, it's time to change it. Uh, but it's not just, you know, boring stuff like creating accounts for people. Um, I review all of the public web apps before we share it, all the public data to make sure it's um, the metadata is there make yeah. sure it's usable <laughs> and accessible too. Do you find you get a lot of uh, requests from the public that drives kind of what you publish or is it more like policy uh, driving what you need to publish? That's a really good question. Um, it's a little bit of both. We're definitely getting requests, a lot of requests for stuff and, and we're working on um, compiling that and then putting it out there for everyone. Um, but we are getting, you know, some requests from the governor and, um, and things like that. And then a lot of it is just uh, me and my manager working on, we know this data exists. Let's see if we can get it out to the public. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. I dig that. <laughs> All right. Well, fun stuff. I don't want to take too much of your time, Kate. I really appreciate you being here, but I do want to ask if you have any tips for anyone listening, uh, what would it be? Any tips, anything. Anything at all. It doesn't even have to be uh, GIS related. You got a tipping <laughs> tip? You know, whatever, whatever you want to share. Uh, my tip is to join us on GIS chat. I'm going to plug it. 
uh, <laughs> because that really helped me grow as a person, as a geospatial professional. If I hadn't discovered GIS chat on Twitter, I don't, I don't know where it would be. I think I would be a lot less confident because I didn't meet awesome people like you, Renee, on there. Um, <laughs> and, and seeing, you know, everyone kind of deals with the same things. Everyone rants about not having metadata. Everyone rants about <laughs> not being able to tell people what they do because no one understands what GIS is. You know, it, it um, makes you feel a lot less alone. Yeah, and, and I, I swear that's probably why I'm probably on Twitter, just because I spent so many years isolated, not knowing that there are others out there struggling mm -hmm. <laughs> with mm -hmm. the just day-to-day -day GIS stuff as I was. And that's, it's great to hear. It's great to hear. I love that. Well, thanks, Kate. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being on. Uh, and I will see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Bounty Box today. Please subscribe for more content.